0: That's what so many of us do. Like, well, maybe if I just shame my parts enough, then I'm gonna heal. And that's not how it works. We need to understand exactly where they're at and why they're doing what they're doing, why they're thinking the way that they're thinking, why they're feeling what they're feeling so that we can help them.
1: Are you ready to say yes to your wealthiest and most abundant life, overflowing bank accounts and a deep sense of inner fulfillment? If you are, then you are definitely in the right place. Welcome to the Girl Unfiltered Podcast. Welcome back to the Girl Unfiltered podcast, and oh, I have such a juicy, powerful conversation to share with you today with the absolutely gorgeous soul that is Brandilyn Tebow. Brandilyn has been somebody that I think I've followed for quite a while now, and it's been beautiful to watch her journey and watch her grow and all of the travels and the inspiration that she shares with her community. And there's something about her energy that obviously has just really drawn me towards her and actually getting to connect with her and have this really raw conversation could not have been further from a disappointment. It was so enlightening and empowering and gave me nuggets of wisdom and takeaways that I want to apply to my life, to my coaching, and to even how I might raise my future children. So <laughs> I don't even know how to introduce this episode because we just go right into it when it comes to acknowledging the parts of us that haven't been healed, really letting them have a voice, how to own our triggers, um, how to be patient with ourselves, how to release shame, how to really embrace where our true need for validation is coming from, and so, so much more. So let me share a little bit more about Brandolyn with you. Brandolyn is a transformational coach, and she is the founder of The Shift Retreats, and she's also a best-selling author and speaker. And she really specialized in inner child work, um, reprogramming, parts work, the feel-good life methodology, and so much, so much more. I could just list you so many things here. And she has traveled the world leading workshops, whether it's in high schools, prisons, Fortune 500 companies, and colleges and she coaches clients from all over the world on really helping them follow their hearts, changing the world, and really leading from their fullest expression. And you'll hear that energy from her oozing in this conversation. So let's jump right in. Even know where to begin with introducing you to the Girl Unfiltered podcast because it feels like the woman in front of me has lived such a full life already and done so much incredible work in this world and throughout her own journey of existence. So. Let's just introduce you and see where we go with this, but welcome Brandilyn Tebow to the Girl Unfiltered podcast.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much, Helena, I'm honored to be here, so excited for this conversation today. Yeah, and you're based in Boulder, Colorado right now, I'm speaking
1: to you from LA, but I know that you've also traveled all around the world, so what does that look like recently for you? Because I feel like you're all, always on social
0: media, like here, there and everywhere. And it's just really inspiring to see. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's been wonderful. So a little over a year and three months ago, I met my soulmate and I knew from week one, we both were like, Oh, it's you. Hello. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I've been waiting for you. What took you so long? We just knew immediately. We were like, yes, this is everything. And now we have so much to do okay, we want to have a family together. We want to get married. We want to travel the world together. We want to collaborate on business together. Like, let's get started. Mm -hmm. And we just kicked off a lot of adventures. We feel this sense of urgency of like, oh my gosh, we just found each other and time is so precious. How do we make the most of it? So immediately we started planning this world travel trip that was supposed to be five months long, including 13 countries. Wow. And then... New strains of COVID came out, yeah. and obviously things in Europe are where they're at right now. And so we decided to postpone a lot of that trip and just focus on South America. And so we took mm-hmm. a two-month amazing trip through South America, starting in Colombia for about a month, exploring all over that gorgeous country, doing treks through the jungle, going to oh my gosh, the <laughs> quite beautiful antiquated cities in Colombia going to the beach just hostels like amazing Mm -hmm. and then we went to Chile for a month and got to spend a couple weeks on a secluded lake with no technology just ourselves and nature and the water and then we spent another couple weeks traveling around the south of Chile so still riding that high in the wake of that amazing adventure Mm -hmm. and thinking about what our next one's going to (laughs) be. That's incredible. Honestly, if my husband could hear you now, he'd be like, we need to do that. (laughs) Like, I think that would be his dream trip for us to do. Well, we have the whole itinerary. My (laughs) husband is very meticulous. So we have every day written out. So you, you and your husband can have that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And what, um, early on in your relationship, like, I know that you guys knew like, this is it we're all in, but early on in a relationship, what an incredible way for you guys to get to know one another on a deeper level to be traveling together and also in like seclusion as well. Just the two of you, like, how
0: was that for you as a couple? Mm -hmm. Amazing. It was so important. And we knew, I think that sense of urgency was leading us exactly where it needed to, because especially the few weeks that we were on that secluded lake in Chile, where it's just us, no distractions, nobody else. Like we both are very used to having, spending time with many, many other people in a given day and just wiping all of that away and arriving with each other was incredibly important for us. And a lot came up that wanted to be witnessed in that space. A lot of parts of me, parts of him that wanted to be seen and wanted to be loved and hadn't felt fully safe to come out previously or hadn't had the spaciousness to come out previously. So it was a very healing trip. And I Mm -hmm. think that's often what happens when we clear away the clutter and just create space for whatever's ready to be witnessed, whatever's ready to be felt so that it can heal. Absolutely. And this is a big part of the work that you actually do with your
1: clients the parts work, and I don't fully understand it myself. So I'm really excited to understand it from your point of view. The difference between the parts of somebody and the whole. So if you could, I'm probably am butchering the analogy, but yeah, if you could describe yeah. that mm-hmm. element in your work, I think it would be really
0: eye opening for our listeners. I would love to. I'm very, very passionate about this. Parts work, also known as internal family systems therapy, was developed by a family therapist by the name of Richard Schwartz after he had been working with families for over a decade and then started working more with individuals and discovered oh, it's actually the same thing. When I'm working with an individual, there is an entire family of different parts that lives within that person. And I'm helping to create balance and harmony within that person's psyche, just in the same way as I help to create balance and harmony within a family system. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I think a lot of us understand intuitively, even in our language, we say, well, a part of me wants to do this, but another part of me wants to do that. I think we all intuitively get it. But until I started really studying internal family systems, I didn't realize that it's not a metaphor <laughs> when we say things like that, when we say, well, a part of me feels this way, a part of me feels this way. Like it actually is these separate entities that live within us that live within our psyche. Some people call them subpersonalities, but they're like little beings that mm-hmm. live within us that have taken on burdens, some of them at different points in time in response to pain that we encounter in life, and they're in relationship with each other. And when we experience a lack of peace or a lack of freedom or a lack of fulfillment, it's because there are parts within us that are in disharmony. Mm. And what I love so much about the parts work perspective is that an underlying foundational concept of parts work is that there are no bad parts. There's no such thing as a bad part. Every part has good intentions and these parts are confused. Sometimes they don't fully understand. Sometimes they're often stuck in painful places in the past. And these parts are hurting. And as we know, hurt people, hurt people and hurt parts, hurt parts, but it's not because they're bad. It's not because they have bad intentions. Yeah, I
1: I love um, almost giving that part of you uh, a human quality. So, like in my book, I talk about little miss fear. (laughs) They're all little misses, like little miss uh, critical, little miss fear, and almost personalizing them and humanizing them so that you can have a communication with them. And and those parts of you, as you say, they're learned from past trauma, past experiences, and many of them or the parts of you, and I would love to know if this is the same perspective you have, like have the immature thinking of that part of you that was hurt, maybe six or seven years old. So it's like the part of you that is speaking up is speaking from that childish place, not to make them wrong, but it's Mm -hmm. coming from that less aware, maybe less wise, less mature Mm -hmm. part of you. Mm -hmm. And I think that we can carry those around without realizing who they are and what they're, where they're coming from, which then obviously dictates our adult life as well. Do you personalize them? Like when you think about like, has he and his research also like categorize what those specific parts yes. are? Like the mother, the father, if it's t- in terms of family.
0: Yes, absolutely. The way that internal family systems languages it is super simple, which I love because it's something that people can grasp immediately. Obviously the modality goes so deep and there's so many intricacies in the modality and the basic core concepts are so simple and easily understandable by everyone. And that is that there's two main categories of parts. We have protector parts and we have exiled parts. Ooh. Okay. Exiled parts are the ones that carry pain. Exiled parts are the ones that haven't fully processed or metabolized the emotional pain that we experienced from the past. And there's a sense that it's not safe to fully feel that pain. Mm. But where there's an exiled part, necessarily, there is a protector part. And the protector part is there to try to protect that exiled part from the pain that it carries. Mm. And there are two main categories of protector parts there are what's called distractor parts and there are manager parts. So the distractor parts are like, look over here. Look at how funny I am. Look at how positive I am. Look at what a bright outlook I have on life. Don't look over there. Don't look at all that pain that I buried decades ago. Look over here. Look at how intelligent I am. Look at how beautiful I am. Look at this. Don't look over there. Mm-hmm. can it also
1: be self-distraction like could Absolutely. it be eating yes. drinking mm-hmm. uh overworking out Absolutely. addiction
0: to relationships yeah. <laughs> yeah so typically distractor parts and manager parts are trying to distract us from and manage our own pain so that we don't bring our awareness to it because when a part is carrying a burden which we can get into in a minute, what that means when a part is carrying a burden, it's carrying that burden because it doesn't actually know that the self exists, Mm. So it thinks that it has to carry that burden to protect other parts. The Mm. self has the capacity to heal all parts. The self is amazing. And we all have one. Mm. (laughs) The self is big enough to contain any experience. The self can metabolize anything. The reason why parts carry burdens is because they're not aware that there is a self. So it almost ends up being like a 10-year-old yeah. trying to babysit a five-year-old, mm-hmm. not realizing that there's a parent there that has the capacity to take care of both of them.
1: Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. Like the self is the parent Mm -hmm. and yeah, the 10-year-old is trying to babysit the five-year-old. You're not going to get very far.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely not. (laughs) And the 10-year-old is probably going to use kind of weird tactics, right? (laughs) (laughs) The five-year-old to try to... Get it into submission, right? Might be like, oh, just candy here. Do you want a lot of candy, five-year-old? Maybe that was right. Shock. I was just thinking that too. I was like, here's some treats. <laughs> exactly, like they're not gonna be the best tactic, yeah. and. It's a 10-year-old. The 10-year-old yeah. doesn't know how to parent a five-year-old, nor should it. Yeah. And that's what I think is important for us to understand with parts work. It's so easy, especially for people that are committed to self-development and transformation. It's so easy for us to shame ourselves and tell ourselves, I should be further along than I am. And from the parts work perspective, that's never true. Mm. No part should be further along than it is because that part is exactly where it is. If that part's a 10-year-old, then it's acting and behaving exactly how a 10-year-old should given the circumstances of that 10-year-old.
1: Yeah. It's like asking a 10-year-old or it's asking like a baby to walk before they've learned how to crawl. Or it's like expecting a 10-year-old to be able to read, Mm -hmm. I don't know, Shakespeare. You know, you you wouldn't place
0: that expectation on 10-year-olds. so Why would you be placing that expectation on yourself? Exactly. Yes. And if there is a toddler that hasn't yet learned how to walk because that toddler isn't in a supportive environment to learn that motor skill. And then you're telling that toddler, you're stupid. What's wrong with you? Why can't you walk? That's Mm -hmm. only further damaging the development of that child, right? It's so Mm -hmm. counterproductive. And yet that's what so many of us do. Like, well, maybe if I just shame my parts enough, then I'm going to heal. And that's not how it works. We need to understand exactly where they're at and why they're doing what they're doing, why they're thinking the way that they're thinking, why they're feeling what they're feeling so that we can help them. And that's what I love so much about parts work. It gives us access to infinite compassion. The way that we know that we're looking from the self at a part rather than looking from a part at another part is when we have access to compassion and Mm. curiosity and clarity.
1: Ladies, before I forget, I have got to mention the fact that I have created and designed a brand new money magnet meditation for you all. I took the old version of the money magnet meditation and I just basically elevated it and the frequency oozing from this beautiful meditation is just incredible. I listened to it myself. I don't know if that's bad that you listen to your own meditation, but honestly, it just gives me all the vibes. So if you head to the link in the show notes, you can download and access that instantly. I highly recommend using this as part of your daily practice. It's only 12 minutes long. You deserve to give yourself 12 minutes of abundance vibes. And I especially recommend listening to this in the morning because it will help you walk through your day with that beautiful grounded but abundant feeling within your body. So go check it out and let me know what you think of it by tagging me or uh, DMing me, at girl underscore unfiltered and let me know that you're listening to it. And how can we, someone's listening and they're like, like even me right now, I'm like, oh, I can see where this was at play in my life or when I was letting that part of me rule the roost. How can we drop into that space of communication with that part or bring awareness to them. I know we all have
0: our own ways, but I'm really curious in your work, what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I can totally distinguish this in an abstract way. And if there's any example you can think of from your life where you think a part was at play, (laughs) I can support you in seeing that as well, because sometimes it's easier to have a concrete example. But essentially, the first step is just bringing awareness to it. So realizing, oh, this isn't me, this is a wounded part of me, or this is a part of me that's carrying a burden from the past, that's reacting to the present moment as if it is the past. So an example from my life, I was playing cards with my fiance a few weeks ago, and it was a game that I had just taught him <laughs> that I grew up playing with my dad all the time. Mm-hmm. And he typically wins at everything that we play. And so I was like, obviously, I'm going to win at this game. <laughs> it's called Jin. And I teach him and just immediately he starts beating me and winning. And I can start to feel my body contracting. I can start to feel myself going into this shutdown response. Mm-hmm. And because I've been practicing parts work for a long time, I'm able to pretty quickly recognize those sensations as a part starting to take over. And I'm very familiar with this part. It's about a 10-year-old little girl that lives within me that felt shamed for not being able to learn things fast enough. And that was growing up in a really tumultuous situation and had a lot going on in her mind at all times that was distracting her and wasn't able to give her full presence to anything. And therefore didn't learn things as fast as she thought she should, or other people thought she should. And this little 10 year old in me has a core belief about herself that she's stupid. Mm. And so playing this card game with my fiance, that 10 year old starts to take over and wants to go into the shutdown response, which is her way of being like, all right, if I can't be good enough, then I'm just going to take my love away from the people in my life and make them come towards me, make them rescue me, make them make me feel better. It was the only strategy that she knew at the time to try to get her needs met, to get her needs for reassurance met. Mm -hmm. So I'm noticing this happening and eventually I'm able to speak, I can feel a 10-year-old part wanting to take over and telling me that the fact that I'm losing at this game means that I'm stupid. And Mm -hmm. I feel really shut down right now. And that 10-year-old within me needs some support. She needs Mm -hmm. some encouragement and she needs to know that this doesn't mean that she's stupid. Yeah. And that actually, even for me, someone that's been practicing this for years, someone that teaches this on a daily basis, it was hard for me to get to that place because when a part takes over, it typically takes us into a nervous system survival response, right? Either the stress response, the parasympathetic nervous system response, or the shutdown response, the dorsal vagal response. Yeah. And that shutdown response is like the turtle going into its shell. And it's so viscerally strong that I needed to take many deep breaths into my body and tell myself that I was safe mm-hmm. before it was even available to me to mm-hmm. speak for that part. Mm-hmm. So step one, become aware. Okay. This is a part, this isn't me. And this part is hurting. This part needs my help. Okay. And then step two, do whatever you need to do to create a sense of safety for yourself so that you can either self-resource or request for somebody else to support you. And then step three is speak for that part rather than from that part. That's the big distinction. If I were speaking from that part, I probably would have told him like, why are you being so mean? You, you should let me win. You knew that I wanted to teach you this game and like, whoa, it's your fault. It would just be projecting Mm -hmm. outwards. That's speaking from the part. That's the part taking over like the part getting in the driver's seat of my life right? yeah. versus speaking for the part is, oh, all right. I'm noticing this part is arising strongly in my body. And this is what that, this part needs. This part needs to be held. This part needs to hear these words. Mm-hmm. And did you communicate that in the moment with your partner? Is that something that you recommend doing? I, I do. And I wasn't able to communicate it right then we have a code word, which is I'm in red zone, Mm. which means I'm either too activated or I'm too shut down to effectively communicate what's going on for me right now. I'm so deep in what we call red zone that I know I'm going to be speaking from my wounded part rather than for it. So I need some space. Yeah. Yeah. So we went on a walk outside. I just did some deep breathing with myself. And then by the time we got back, my nervous system was soothed enough for me to be able to speak for that part. But sometimes it takes me a lot longer than I think it should for me to be able to get to that place.
1: And that's okay too, because there's no shame in that. Absolutely. Yeah. That's,
0: that's this little 10 year old in me saying, I need to know that if I need weeks on end, that you're going to give it to me. I I need to know that you're willing to create whatever space that I need. That you're willing to be there for me no matter what and that you won't abandon me even if I'm upset for days on end. And that's the way that we help these parts heal is by letting them know that we unconditionally love them no matter how upset they are. And I often find that even by giving yourself that space, it
1: actually, not that we should go into it with this mindset, but it does actually accelerate the healing because Mm -hmm. when we bury it, we try to ignore it or pretend it's not happening. We just magnify it. But actually it's the same with exhaustion or tiredness. If I'm like, I am fully letting myself rest. I'm fully letting myself be in this place and I'm not making myself wrong for it. Normally you wake up in a completely new space the next day
0: rather than ignoring it and pushing through it. Exactly. There's a phrase that says infinite patience produces immediate results. Mm. So the moment that we drop in with a part of ourselves and we're like, oh yeah, you're really mad. You're really angry. All right. Yeah. yeah. Like give it all to me. All of it's welcome. Be more angry. If you need to be more angry, I'm here for it. I'm ready for it. Yeah. Wow. Look how powerful you are. Hey part, I respect your power. Like the moment that we're willing to show up for all of it and we, we know that all parts of ourselves are welcome. That's the moment that parts feel safe to unburden and to heal.
1: Yeah. That just gave me chills because it just made me picture. Imagine if we raised our children like that,
0: Mm -hmm. like
1: what was the phrase you said? Um, infinite patience equals immediate results. Like if Mm -hmm. we gave that infinite patience to our real toddlers and let them produce the emotions they need to, instead of making them wrong. Oh my God. Like what kind of humans are we
0: be raising? (laughs) You gave the chills right back to me. I got them too. Yeah. And That's the thing where when we're not equipped with the understanding of how to do parts work within ourselves, then we project our unwanted parts, our exiled parts onto our children. So for example, if I have not made peace with the angry part within me, Mm -hmm. and then I have a child, as soon as that child is demonstrating natural anger, which is a human emotion that we all have and we all need to express when that child is demonstrating that I am going to act as the protector part that's trying to manage the anger of my child. And I'm going to try to stifle it, exile it, suppress it, which then is going to be internalized by that child. And is that child's then going to take on that burden of, Oh, I'm not safe to be with all of my emotions. Mm -hmm. So I need to create a a split within myself, the part of myself that harbors the exiled emotions. And then the part of myself that tries to manage or distract from those exiled emotions.
1: And when you say we would protect our child from the anger, is that that can show up as trying to shift them out of anger or making the anger wrong or telling Mm -hmm. them no, or like, like, I'm just, I think there's a lot of parents probably listening to like, how would that show up in the parenting itself?
0: Mm -hmm. When we're trying to suppress our children's self expression when we're saying, No, shh, be quiet, stop it, don't feel that, don't do that. You need to stop being sad right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, you're being sad, go to your room and come back when you're happy, which is these are the kinds of things that I, I hear from my clients that this is what happened in their childhood. Like, oh, that emotion is not safe in this household. So you need to hide that. You literally need to exile yourself and go lock yourself in your room until you no longer are feeling that aspect of the human experience.
1: Mm. And
0: then once you've successfully exiled that within yourself, then you can come back and rejoin the family. Then you're allowed to belong. So then of course we internalize that message as if I feel anger, then I don't belong. And as a child, our sense of belonging is intertwined with our sense of safety. So it's like, if I don't belong, I'm not safe. Yeah. So in order for me to be safe, I have to exile my anger. And this is generational trauma. These are the things that we pass down generation after generation, because we're not teaching people the tools to be able to access the healing power of their self and support these parts in unburdening from the legacy burdens that they've taken on from other generations.
1: Definitely. And I think, I think for me, what you're, you know, what you're leaning into here, like a lot of that safety for me came from validation. So the, the more validated I am by my parents, the safer that I am and whatever it took for me to feel that validation. And in my mind, I internalize that as being perfect. Mm-hmm. And I know that you have somewhat similar experiences around this. and And you also talk a lot about validation in your work and it is so prevalent as well in my life and what I do. And I think that a lot of women are navigating the world of inner and external validation on a constant basis. Mm -hmm. So I would just love to hear your thoughts on what that means for us as women and this battle that we're
0: in for validation. Absolutely. Yeah. I love this, this topic. Thank you for bringing it up. (laughs) One of my mentors, Kyle Cease, once described it like, he was like, imagine if, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to tell it like he does. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> imagine if you in this moment are just like transported to another planet, an alien planet, and you become a little alien baby on this planet that has alien parents. And you're like, where am I? What is going on? Who are these people? And what do they want from me? And so you just start doing things. And one day you're like, all right, what if I, what if I tap dance? How does that go over? And all of a sudden you start tap dancing and your alien parents are like, yay, yay. We love it when you tap dance. And then whether you actually like to tap dance or not, you spend the rest of your life tap dancing because that just happened to be the thing Mm -hmm. that got applause from your alien parents. And he's like, that's what it's like on planet earth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That's how it goes. We just show up here and we're trying things out and we're like, Ooh, nope, that did not go over well. Never Mm going to do that again. I'm going to completely suppress my desire to do that. And all of my emotions around that. Let's try something else. Oh, that worked. Okay. Now I guess I have to do that every day for the rest of my life. And this is the sort of performing that so many of us feel that we have to do every day that we end up being exhausted by. And my gosh, the pressures that we put on women, telling them that you have to be a good girl, look perfect, act perfect. Mm -hmm. And all of these double standards that we create, right? You have to be pure, but you can't be a prude. Be a certain
1: size. Um, don't be too big, don't be too thin. Like it's all, it's all in there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There's a Casey Musgrave song that I love that goes, if you save yourself from marriage, you're a bore. If you don't save yourself for marriage, you're a whore (laughs) a bull person. Um, if you don't have a drink, you'll be a prude, but they'll call you a drunk as soon as you down your first one. If you can't lose the weight, then you're just fat. But if you lose too much, then you're on crack you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So you might as well just do whatever you want. Yeah, I think that's such a good way of describing these double standards that our society creates for women in this tiny, tiny, tiny little space in which we're allowed to exist. Mm. And a lot of parts work is figuring out all of those burdens that we've taken on throughout life and how those have narrowed Our realm of possibility so significantly, Mm. and helping our parts to release those burdens and expand and open back up to the realm of infinite possibility that we actually are. Mm. Yeah. So the way that from our core we are infinite possibility. Yeah, and that can't be taken away. It's mind blowing. (laughs) Exactly. So a concept from parts work is that. Parts are not their burdens, which I think is such an important distinction. When we think that parts are their burdens, then that's when we try to kill off parts and exile them and hide them, which only creates more disharmony and more imbalance in the system. But parts are not their burdens. Parts have taken on burdens in an attempt to protect us in reaction to pain with limited options. When we're kids, we don't know how to internally resource ourselves Mm -hmm. and we're, we're stuck with whatever families we're stuck with and their capacity to try to support us. So we Mm -hmm. have these very limited options and we make decisions based on those limited options, but then we often don't go back to question those decisions and question whether or not that defense mechanism is still necessary. Mm-hmm. Right? And often it's not. Often we're safe without it. Often it's only inhibiting us and no longer is it protective or productive. Mm-hmm.
1: I think as well, certainly in my life and um, I speak a lot to female entrepreneurs, a lot of our validation comes from achievement mm-hmm. and taking things off of the to-do list. And am I as far ahead enough as I think I should be, or compared to this person, have I done enough to be able to validate myself today or this week? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's almost, it can feel like a double edged sword, I think for some, because I think there's a fear for some women. And I know that my clients have experienced or verbalized this to me is like, well, if I take that away, am I going to still achieve? If I take this drive that I have to be this kind of person, will I just sit back and become lazy or this or that? But I think there's this wonderful, like happy medium where when you realize, who you truly are and where your validation really comes from. We actually can set ourselves free to achieve more, but I can understand how walking and experiencing that dance is very confusing for us as women and us perfectionists and us overachievers. I'm just curious. Is that something that you've
0: had to dance in your life? Oh my my goodness. Yes. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I wrote a book about it. The book is called The Achievement Trap, Mm -hmm. The Overachiever, People Pleaser, and Perfectionist's Guide to Freedom and True Success. And Mm -hmm. I wrote that book because I needed to hear that. I wrote that book for myself because of how deeply I was in the achievement trap and struggled with that for the majority of my life. Because I wrote that book before I really studied parts work or internal family systems. And I still think it's like, I totally stand by it. It's a very (laughs) helpful book. And now I have this deeper layer of understanding, which is that the achievement trap is a protector part. Yeah. Part that's like achievement is a distraction from the pain and the parts of myself that I don't want to be with
1: Mm.
0: when I'm achieving, then I'm not having to look at the pain of feeling like I don't fully belong Mm. with my family. I don't fully belong with myself. I don't fully belong in this world. When I'm achieving, I don't have to look at the grief, mm. the guilt. Or the sh- who
1: am I if I'm not achieving? Like that's mm-hmm. a big one. Like the, the who Who am I? How do I even have a role? Or what? what is my existence if I'm not achieving?
0: If that's mm-hmm. what you were taught. Yes. Yes. And this is a perfect example of a part not knowing that the self is there. Mm. Yeah. Because the self cannot be defined. The self is infinite. The self is everything and nothing at the same time. The self is the space of infinite possibility, a infinite peace, infinite compassion. Mm -hmm. The self is what I think most people call God. Mm -hmm. That cannot be defined, but the parts don't know that the self exists. So the parts are on this futile quest to try to define themselves in a way that feels worthy which is futile because you never can because you are not your parts. You are so much greater than the sum of your parts. We all are. Yeah. And so we end up with these like dis, disintegrated systems of these exiled bits. And then these bits that are trying so hard to compensate for and distract from the exiled parts. And it will never, ever, 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 ever work out. And it will always lead to loneliness, burnout, shut down eat never what we really want
1: mm. and as someone who has dealt with perfectionism and overachieving I think we've both probably gone through it in very similar ways um, who now and certainly from the outside world leaves this leads this life of success and freedom like you have a very full life but also a successful business and you're a successful coach. So I'm curious now that you've left or not left behind, because we never leave our parts behind, but you've become aware of that part of you and you've healed a lot of that overachiever side of you. What now motivates you? What do you now bring to the table that feels led more from the self?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. And I love that you bring up the point that a lot of people believe that if they're not, fueling themselves from that sense of I'm not enough, then they're not going to achieve. And yeah. what I found within myself and what I've found with hundreds of clients that I've led through this process is that actually the opposite is true. When we come back to our unconditional sense of worthiness, and we know that no matter what we do, no matter what we achieve in this lifetime, we are still whole, complete, and perfect. We are still already and always enough. When we heal and come back to that sense, then it opens up the space for inspiration to flow through. Yeah. And inspiration means in spirit, being in spirit, which to me is life force energy. Mm. Like we're open to life force energy flowing through us because we're not so attached to results. Mm. Whenever we're attached to results, we're not living in the present moment. When Mm. we're looking at the results that we currently have, We're reacting to the past because those current results are just an echo of the past. And when we're attached to results in the future, we're living out there in the future and worrying about it and angsting about it. We're not available to show up fully in the present to work with how inspiration, how life force energy wants to flow through us. And that the present moment is the realm of all creation, the realm of all possibility. That's where we're the most effective Mm. at standing for the commitments that we have, like the deepest, most authentic commitments that are so true to our heart. That's where we're freed up Mm. to create from that space. So it's actually the opposite. We become like way more effortlessly or easefully rather effective Mm. when we let go of our attachments to results and get present to who am I inspired to be in this moment? What are my core desired ways of being? And by giving myself the gift of permission to be those ways, what actions do I want to take? I talk about this when it comes
1: to hidden expectations with money and the energy of lack versus the energy of abundance, because similar to the overachiever, it's like if we're constantly setting a money goal that we want to achieve... You have to be super aware of what your expectation and achieving that actually is. And this is the same with any goal. It doesn't have to just apply with money. And so what often happens is you think when I achieve this, then I get to feel this. Then I get to feel safety, then I get to feel worthiness, then I get to feel freedom. And often like, you know, my clients will achieve money goals and then or have achieved money goals in their life, but I still feel this. Mm -hmm. And it's because money and a goal can never really give you that feeling. Mm -hmm. And so when you actually allow yourself to understand what that hidden expectation is and bring it into your present and decide I'm worthy, I'm whole, I'm complete, I have freedom, I have safety, I'm secure secure right now, Mm -hmm. now you're stepping into a place of abundance versus lack. And obviously we know when we're in an abundant state, obviously we attract more towards us and we're going to be happier and healthier along that journey
0: as well. Absolutely. I love that. And it makes sense on so many different levels because if we have a hidden expectation that money is going to create a sense of safety for us, then safety is somewhere out there and safety isn't in here with us. It's not in the present moment. And whenever that sense of wholeness and safety and belonging isn't here with us in the present moment, we're in a stress response, we're in a survival response. And physiologically, when we're in a stress response, the right and left hemispheres of our brain are not communicating very well with each other, which is why we see the world dualistically, right? We see the realm of scarcity. We're in the realm of right and wrong and good and bad. And we start projecting threat where there is none. Like our brains are doing that. Our brains are projecting threat on the outside world. And then we have to live in reaction to that threat. And we can't create From that space, we can't create when we're living in reaction. So, even just physiologically, it makes so much sense because when we create that unconditional sense of safety for ourselves in the present moment, then our nervous system relaxes, our prefrontal cortex comes back online, which is the creative center of our brain. So, all of a sudden, we're seeing options, opportunities, possibilities that we physiologically did not have access to seeing when we have blinders on of our stress response.
1: We expand our awareness, and that's so prevalent in business. It's like people think, I have to do it this one way, and this is the only way. And then suddenly, when you live from a different state, you're like, there are multiple options and there are multiple availabilities to me. And this is when suddenly somebody just knocks on your door and they're like, I want to do this with you, or I want to experience this with you. And it's just a much more collaborative experience with the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From the stress response,
0: it's like, okay, I have to. Hike Mount Everest in the dead of winter, <laughs> uh-huh. out in ice pick with flip flops on. Like that's what the stress response shows us. It shows that life is just so hard and unrelenting. And as soon as we switch into the relaxation response, when yeah. we're embodying that perspective of abundance, all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, there's actually this tunnel right through the middle of the mountain that it's heated inside. It's warm. It's nice. There's rest stops along the way. It's like all of a sudden we see this solution that's so much easier and obvious that we couldn't see before. Yeah.
1: So I would love to know, I'm curious, like what is lighting you up? What is motivating you right now in your life? Mm. Big question. (laughs) Mm. Obviously you're planning a wedding too. So I'm sure that has a lot to do with life as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely very excited about the wedding and I'm super excited about this retreat that we're hosting. I have a company called The Shift Retreats. We haven't been able to host retreats because of COVID in a couple of years, really. So we're coming back online and we're hosting a retreat in Colorado. It's my first time ever hosting a retreat in my home state. So that feels so good. And it's like the coolest retreat property that I've ever come across. It's 145 acres of national forest with lakes and miles and miles of trails and a sauna and a cold plunge. And we're going to be able to have a bonfire in the forest and there's a sound healing room. And I've never felt so supported by the land and a space to do the really deep transformational work that we do at the shift. And we're so excited to welcome in a group of women and take them on this four day holistic healing experience Mm. and to be able to heal the sisterhood wound that most of us carry, which goes back to our conversation about validation, where we believe that we need male validation in order for like, in order to be worthy. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. we believe that like male validation is this Holy grail, this scarce resource that we all have to compete over. And then that's, that's the sister wound. We see each other as competition. We objectify ourselves. We look at ourselves through the male gaze. We relate to ourselves and others as sexual objects to be acted upon rather than the subjects and creators of our lives. And that's the internalized oppression that most women have, have (laughs) most women have internalized oppression, unless you've done some really deep work to heal that. And we get to help heal that at the shift Tree and reconnect women to each other and to the like endless bounty that it is to have female connections. And that is like such a beautiful thing to behold. And I'm so excited. I know what
1: excites me so much is to see that shifting and changing. Like I freaking love the women in my life, like the collaborations we have and the way we support and champion one another. It could be could it be further from competition. And Mm -hmm. I actually had the pleasure of doing my first in-person like retreat day, um, in LA with my business besties. Like, it was amazing to feel that energy in the room where every guest and everyone that was there and all of us speakers, like, it just felt like a collaboration of energy and support mm-hmm. and love. And I'm like, this is what I'm here for. Like, this is what excites me so much. Yeah. And especially when you see women in business doing it, who you know, women wanting to just support one another, women wanting to teach other women how to crack the code and create more abundance. Like Mm -hmm. that's what's happening and that's the collective rising right now, I feel.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It is such a coming home at every retreat women just sob like, Oh, this is the nourishment that I've been needing. This is, I didn't even know what was missing, but it was this, Mm -hmm. like this sacredness, this container of women supporting each other in their deep healing and transformation, this space, this circle of women where everything is welcome and all parts of me are welcome and all parts of you are welcome. Like, Oh my gosh, this, this is the best medicine. And it is so cool to get to watch that to get to watch women like discover that and surrender to that and be nourished by that it's my favorite thing probably ever i would
1: love to come be a part of one of them in the future so we'll have to make that happen love to have
0: you yeah <laughs>
1: um, this has been such a powerful conversation like i feel like i'm gonna need to go back and like internalize it even more on a secondary de- depth level um but before we say goodbye please share like where can our listeners connect with you and
0: learn more about
1: you and the work that you do?
0: Mm -hmm. Pretty much everywhere. It's (laughs) it's Brandilyn Tebow. So B-R-A-N-D-I like Brandy and then Lynn L-Y-N last name Tebow, T-E-B-O. So Instagram Brandilyn underscore Tebow, reach out to me there. I try to respond to all of my DMs. TikTok, I have tons of informative videos about the topics we've been talking about today and a lot else on there. And my email is just tebow at gmail.com. So I will you... also drop the link to
1: your book in case that's resonating with anyone who's ready yeah. to overcome that overachiever. <laughs>
0: yeah. And the retreats are the shiftretreats.org.
1: Yes, yes, definitely. Thank you so, so much for sharing your time and your energy with us. We appreciate it so much. Thank you. This has been so fun. <laughs> If you loved today's episode, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button because women supporting women is my jam. And if you want extra daily doses of motivation, then be sure to follow me on Instagram at girl underscore unfiltered and go ahead and screenshot this episode. Send me a DM and share your biggest takeaway because I love hearing from you and I just really want to drop into your DMs basically. <laughs> so I'm sending you so much love and abundance and have an amazing day.